With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VGW void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hello and welcome to a new episode of talking snooker with phil haig and nick metcalf once again talking about the game we all love Phil, hello to you. What a week we have seen at the British Open. That really did give us non-stop drama, pretty much from start to finish. But it gave us a new champion that we know so well, the great Mark Williams. Congratulations to him. Yeah, hello. Good evening. We're speaking just after the finals country conclusion. And a great final it was. Yeah, great week. Uh, all sorts going on. I suppose the nature of this event was, it was a bit chaotic and it was sort of non-stop and non-stop fun, really, non-stop drama, uh, all sorts going on throughout. Um, and yeah, uh, congratulations to Mark, a, w- a worthy winner in the end. He played great in the end, uh, in the final. Um, didn't play great all week, but it doesn't really matter. He, he was getting the results just about. Um, and yeah, a twenty-fourth ranking title for one of the all-time greats. Amazing stuff. It really is. Yes, a, a marvelous achievement. A, we said on our Twitter feed. Mark Williams might be suggesting he's not an all-time great, but he's kidding no one, isn't he, Phil? Because everyone that knows this game knows that he very much is. And one thing that struck me was that uh, Judge Trump some time ago made it 22 ranking events and everyone made quite a big deal. He's level with Mark Williams. He will, of course, go past now. Who would have believed, if someone had told you then that Williams would win the next two before Judd wins his next one, you'd be like... I, don't, I can't see that happening, mate. But uh... yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it did seem like it was only a matter of time until he, he went past him. But yeah, Williams up to 24. Um, he's four behind Steve Davis. That's going to take some doing to catch him, but you never know. He doesn't, he's not slowing down. And he likes these short format events that we play more and more of. So uh, yeah, I mean, he knows really. I think he's played, he's, he's, uh, being a bit silly when he, he plays down his chant, his, his conversation of being in the all-time great uh, arena. But uh, he obviously is. He's top five, never mind top ten or anything like that. So, uh, uh, yeah, and to keep proving it, it's just finding ways to win. Um, as I said, he could have gone out a few times. Um, the game against Dominic Dale, especially, um, the first two frames, he looked like he 
yeah, he could, he couldn't pot a ball. He was playing really badly, but uh, yeah, got through. And he said in his interview just after the final that he'd saved his best for last, unfortunately for Gary Wilson, because um, yeah, he looked great through most of that. Really solid, um, scoring really heavily, which he wasn't doing the whole tournament. He hadn't made a century all tournament, then made two in the final. So yeah, very very impressive stuff from him. It really is. And ITV have put out a very useful uh, a list of oldest ranking event winners. And uh, Ray Reardon, 50 years, 14 days. Then you've got two from Doug Mountjoy, uh, 46 years, 221 days. And 46 years, 172 days. And then comes Mark Williams, 46 years, 154 days. He doesn't seem 46, does he, Mark? I mean, it's that kind of... That you know, mate. I don't mean mate in looks. I mean that's just fixtures and fittings, anyway. I mean, kind of in personality, he's got such a, a fun about him. He's like a an eternal schoolboy, isn't he? In a way, but forty six, you know that you know that has to be noted. That is quite an achievement to be winning a big title like this at that age. Yeah, and it is a bit. It almost seems less and less an achievement now because we've got him and Higgins and O'Sullivan still doing it. That it's become sort of normalised. But yeah, if you said a few years ago that people would be winning in their mid-40s, edging towards 50, then it, it would have seemed mad. But, um, yeah, those guys just sort of ripping up what we thought was the rule book and rewriting it, aren't they? Because, you know, they're absolute freaks in the nicest possible way. <laughs> like, they're just not what, uh, not how the game is supposed to go, isn't it? People just continuing to be the, up there with the very best getting on at that age. But, um yeah, that's what they are. They're three of the best players ever. So we said it a load of times, but um, enjoy them while they're here. And they look like they're going to be here for a while. Yeah, they're not, they're not going anywhere. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we'll talk more about the final in a moment, but just a couple of uh, bits of housekeeping. And the first one is uh, a big mere culpa for me. Uh, I know that sound quality of the podcast wasn't to our usual quality last time. And it was from my end. It was uh, quieter for me and I was quite muffled at times. A very innocent mistake, really. I have uh, put headphones in a couple of times while recording this with no problem, but I actually put a couple of, uh, I put some uh, Apple headphones in and I think it recorded me speaking into the microphone. And then maybe when I switched ears, it it got even further away from the mic. And it really annoying mistakes. So I'm sorry about that. But we, we at least some mistakes in life, you know, you don't learn from, unfortunately, Phil. This one I will. And um, it's one of those things. But listen, Phil, I have, I have some better news. From, from the podcast. Now, I know humility is your watchword. It's one of your defining characteristics. But I think I've got something here that might even give you a little bit of a big head. Now, we've had a bit more detail, some numbers through on this podcast. Now, you might not believe this. I, I certainly didn't when I saw it. But in the Finnish charts for sporting podcasts, I know it's quite niche, it's the chart for sporting podcasts in Finland. Now, wait for this, Phil. I want to see your reaction. I hope you'll still be sitting on your chair when you've heard this. One week, not so long ago, we reached number five. Well, well, well. That is that is good, isn't it? Yeah. Must be the Q Power blog listening to us over and over again in Finland. <laughs> it's incredible because there's lots of, you know, Popular football teams and, you know, popular pods over there, I'm sure. So, um, no, we're, we're, we're very grateful about that. And we're, um, and actually, joking aside, you know, we, we, we love the, the international audience. And we don't get so many listeners now from SoundCloud, mainly because we uh, promote it through other avenues more. I think that's generally better, considered better for sort of boosting the podcast. 
But I did check on that. I think we're up to about 40 countries now. Oh, now, nice. as we said, two or three of them are sort of friends of ours, probably people we know, expats and what have you. But some of them aren't. Some of them are just genuine fans. And you think, God, the reach of this game, it's not just, you know, it's not just talk. Sometimes you hear from World Snooker Tour, WPBSA. This is a game with fans in all parts of the world. Yeah, that's lovely. And it's good that it's not sort of obvious, obvious snooker outposts. You know, Finland had one or two players, but they're not known for their hotbed of snooker. So that's great. Yeah. Let's go do a show in Helsinki there one time, maybe. That'd be fun. It certainly would. What a, what a good idea. But, uh, but back to the British Open then, Phil. I mean, it's, it's dominated our lives for the last uh, week. And funny enough, a couple of people asked me if I've enjoyed it. And I kind of thought about it. And I thought, well, I pretty much watched every day. <laughs> I watched pretty much every session. And in between the sessions, like about five o'clock, uh, I was like, when's the next one starting? So yeah. I'm that counts as enjoying it. I'm actually in St. Helier now, the capital of Jersey, where I've come for a break. So I missed the one day when I was traveling over here. But apart from that, um, I, I've seen so much. And I thought it was absolutely bamboozling at times, the drama, the stories. I mean, we're only going to be able to, to cover some of it here, clearly. But, you know, let's start at the end, as we often do. The final Mark Williams winning 6-4 against Gary Wilson. I didn't think Gary Wilson did much wrong. I don't know if you agree. I just thought it was a bit of extra quality for Mark. As you said already, he did play his best of the tournament. That's what the greats do, I guess. They peak when it matters most. He, he hit those, fired those two centuries in. And, you know, as you said, a 24th ranking title. He got out of jail a few times. But listen, we all know the story of, of, of tournaments, sporting tournaments, especially long ones or ones with lots of rounds. You always have those moments. And yes, Ricky Walden probably should have beaten him. Good heavens, he had two golden chances in that frame. A couple of earlier matches too. Dominic Dale strangely refusing yeah. that, that re-rack in an earlier yeah. round. Mark himself couldn't believe that on Twitter. But in the end, you have to say, you know, for the way he finished, he may have got out of jail a couple of times, but he's a great champion and he's done, he's done it again. Yeah, I think you're right about Gary there. Um, I don't think he did much wrong at all. There weren't many... I will have missed some now thinking back, but I can't remember any like glaring errors. Um, he certainly didn't bottle it by any stretch, despite only being in his second uh, ranking final. Um, Williams just played really well. Uh, as I said before, he, he found his scoring boots, which is what he, he had seemed to have left at home for this tournament. But when he added that to the mix of all his sort of ring craft, then uh, he's very difficult to stop. And I think it just... You know, Mark Williams is a, is a better player than Gary Wilson, and I think they both played pretty well, somewhere near their best, even. But uh, Williams is just a, a step above, isn't he? Um, but yeah, that, I don't want that to sound bad about Gary at all. He played well. He's a very good player, um, and he, he sounded very disappointed. I think he's quite hard on himself, even after he wins matches. He seemed to be quite hard on himself this week, and he, he seemed very down after losing that final. But uh, I'm sure he'll look back on it and be pretty pleased. You know, only one player will be more pleased than him, and that's the winner. So, uh, 45,000 very useful ranking points for him as well. Um, so, yeah, it's a good week for Gary, but uh, there's not a lot many people can do when Mark Williams is playing well. Yeah, good way of saying it. I, I didn't mind that, that Gary uh, saying I'm bitterly disappointed. I mean, you're right, he is one of those that's down on himself. But I, I sort of didn't mind that because I think sometimes there's a bit too much tendency on the last night of these things to 
oh, look at your performance over the week. And I'm not naming any names. I've done it myself. We've all done it. And actually, I don't know about that question, really. This is an elite sports person that's just lost a match. And, mm. you know, and it's devastating for them, really. You know, within the confines of this sport, there are many, many more devastating things happening in the world, things that are far more important. But, you know, we have to be careful with our language. But for snooker players that have lost a big match, I think if it's not devastating, it's often close to being that. So I didn't mind that kind of, you know, it's difficult to look beyond the disappointment now because I think it will be in a few minutes of the, of the aftermath. Mm. The one thing you have to say, if he looks back, I don't think he could have done much more. Yes, he missed one or two balls, maybe. But Mark sort of stepped up when it really mattered and made the important breaks, made more of those key pot, pots at key moments. And I just think it was, yeah, superior quality ultimately told in the end. I mean, listen, we, we can talk all day about Mark. What a character. What, what, one of the great characters in our sport. I mean, the business about, you know, I'm not excited. And I mean, it, it, he's sort of hoodwinking, hoodwinking us all a little bit, isn't he, the old rascal? Because, you know, Alan McManus was saying, you know, tonight and Ken Doherty as well. But beneath that kind of um, wonderful ability he has to not look like, you know, to make it not look like it, it, it you know, matters when it matters so much. He he also, um, you know, ha- has got that steeliness, which he likes to hide. And I was thinking in a different sort of way, John Higgins is the same in a different way. He's sort of very humble. Oh, no, I can't do this. I can't do that. Yeah, he'll go out and be absolutely brilliant. And a little bit Ronnie's like it as well. We've said it before. I mean, yes, they are in their own way. Humility is part of all three characters, but they they play the game, don't they? And uh, oh, look at me! I'm, I can't make any, any anything. I'm making twenties, thirties. He's, he's, he's just picking up the trophy and uh, going home with it tonight, Phil. So that's not so bad. Yeah, absolutely. Now he he always says he is trying. He just doesn't look like it. And he's, he's sort of stick. I say stick. I, I do believe him, but. He says when he loses, he doesn't care. Um, but when he's playing, he absolutely cares. He's trying his hardest, which is true. Um, and while while the losses may not bother him like they used to or maybe ever have, but um, he'll certainly enjoy the wins, that's for sure. You wouldn't play if you don't enjoy winning big tournaments. Um, so, yeah, he'll be absolutely delighted with this. And he'll, he'll realise what a big achievement it is to be uh, still winning at his age. Um, it's incredible, really, um, especially because... He, he practices more than he would let on, I'm sure, but he he still plays a lot of golf and enjoys himself. So to still be winning big tournaments in this in that situation is amazing, really. But uh, yeah, he, he sort of he, his sort of super chill out, uh, uh, you know, his his way of being is is real. I do believe it, but it, it's almost like an entire game to convince himself as well. Um, because it, it does help. It clearly helps. Like his temperament is almost perfect for playing snooker, but in a different way than you would say, like Mark Selby's is also very, very good. But they are, they're, all, they're almost very different, but also equally useful. If you see what I mean, it's quite hard to describe. They're very entirely different characters, but their two, their temperaments are ideal for this game. Yeah, no, great way of saying it. I think Ken Doherty was saying that, that tonight that... that, that... Mark Williams is kind of unique in the game. And yeah, I think he's pretty close to being the, yeah. the way he sort of conducts himself, the way he, uh, you know, has that ability to, to shake off the nerves and just that lovely elegance of his and the, the floating the balls in that he, do, he does so well. Phil Yates was making quite a good point. I, I thought tonight that if he struggles with anything and obviously he doesn't struggle with much, 
it's maybe those those balls he plays at, at you know with very hard the real pacey shots and he will sometimes miss those especially those mid-range kind of pots but the floating ones they're, they're as beautiful as they were 25 30 years ago and that reminds me talking about numbers he won this title in 1997 phil yeah. and he's winning it again i mean so someone told mark himself about that he went oh 1997 bloody hell something like that <laughs> and i thought you know yeah it's wow i mean just thinking about uh, in my own head, that, that was the year of, of Cool Britannia starting, Tony Blair going into Downing Street, the year of Princess Diana dying. You know, it, it's a very different kind of world, a very different Britain. And yet, here we are. These guys, they're just, I mean, you say you run out of superlatives, but we can't run out of superlatives with journalists and broadcasters, Phil. We, <laughs> we have to keep coming up with them. So that's the point. But, uh, but it is hard because they're just so brilliant. I mean, and the funny thing is, I think that pro series he won this year was the first one since the world, wasn't it? So it seemed like the world in 18 was his Indian summer in a way, or, or that season he was thinking about quitting. And then he went on that sort of mad, well, bender, I suppose, for want of a more yeah. elegant word, that, that summer and most of that next season almost. And it's like, yeah, that was the Indian summer. That sealed it for him. We might not see him even win another one again. You never know. Probably, maybe not. But here he is, come back and won two again. It's like, the Indian summer to follow the Indian summer. And it's like, I wonder how much Higgins and O'Sullivan, he may not say it. I wonder how much them still doing well propels him forward. and thinks, hang on, I could maybe do this as well. I mean, it can't hinder, can it? No, I think that must be, uh, even subconsciously, it must be you aware that it's doable. Because like I said before, if you said a few years ago, people playing in the 40s, mid 40s, at the top of the game, you just wouldn't have thought it. And and some of that is sort of just perception. Like you actually could have done, but people just accept that they're slowing down at certain ages. But I suppose, yeah, the fact that his two great contemporaries are still doing it has only spurred him on, yeah. Um, I think he did win. He won in China very shortly after the World Championship. Oh, so he did, sorry. But then, then yeah, then then the, the I think it was kept being described as the, the year-long pub crawl kicked in. <laughs> it was quite quiet for a while after that. But yeah, it's, it's seemingly these short formats really suit him. Uh, I spoke to him after that Dominic Dale game up in Leicester, and uh, he was he he said there's no reason why he gets on with these short formats. He just, he doesn't particularly like him. He would rather play longer games. But yeah, that pro series was the best of three one last year, uh, last season, and then he's just won this. So um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It seems to just suit certain players. Um, Ali Carter's another one that's been doing really well, and we're sort of. Talked to some guys up in Leicester. We were sort of theorising that he's a very intense character, is Ali, and like being right on it from the first frame sort of suits him. But then Mark Williams uh, is almost the exact opposite kind of character. Um, uh, very laid back, which is almost the opposite of intense, isn't it, really? So I don't know what the answer is as to why these uh, certain players are doing really well in these short formats. I mean, the, the simple answer is they're very good players, but some are just suiting more than others, and uh, Mark Williams is definitely one of them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, of course, he did win in China. So I'm thinking now, I seem to remember quotes from him. So I'm going back to the caravan now. I don't know whether I'm going to be celebrating the World Championship still or celebrating this. Um, I'm just trying to look it up. I'm infuriatingly not quite getting uh, the Wi-Fi here. This hotel has been brilliant. But of course, as we're on air, it's let me down a little bit. I'm just thinking if that was the the Dave Gilbert one that he famously lost, that could have been... The that World, World Open, yeah, that was 2018, that. August. 
it's come up now. Brilliant. So that, that, that clears a little thing in my head that I can put that one to bed. Um, Phil, I feel we should now go through some of the earlier rounds. And, well, um, <laughs> I say, where do we start? I'm going to start with you, sir. I'm going to give the floor to you because you were there. I wasn't. Many of our listeners will not have been. I'd like to hear more from you about the arena, what it was like there. Uh, get, keep us in, get, take us closer to some of the madness of this event and how much fun it was to be there. Um, yeah, so I, I got there Monday evening, so I, I missed the first morning. I watched uh, I watched Higgins make his one four seven against Urson back from on the TV, and then drove up to Leicester. Um, and it was good. It was just chaos. I mean, these short games, four going at a time. Um, rolling on, rolling off, people waiting to come on afterwards. So I found, I mean, this is not any insight from being there, but I found like a lot of the matches lasted a lot longer than you would expect for a best of five. So many seemed to go to deciders and they were very edgy. Um, People knowing how short the format was were so desperate not to lose, well, any frames, especially not the first frame um, because it seems like a mountain to climb from there. And players are almost playing not to lose rather than going out to win a bit, maybe. Um, but yeah, great setup. I don't think anyone had any, any complaints with the setup uh, of the tournament. Four tables. The arena looked great. Looked great on TV. Looked great in person. Um, in terms of crowds, uh, they, they were quite quiet in the mornings, weren't they? But they're always going to be at nine o'clock starts. Um, similarly in the afternoon, but obviously a bit more. And then the evenings, I think all the evenings were if not full, then very nearly full. So I think Will Snooker were definitely quite happy with the crowds. Um, they're never going to expect a full house at nine o'clock. And I think the games they put on at nine in the morning were reflected what they were expecting there. Um, but yeah, it just, it felt, I think I was saying to you earlier in the week, the best of fives felt more than, felt closer to sort of the shootout chaos than to best of sevens. I think what we found with the best of sevens at the Home Nations and other events in general that it's mainly the good players that keep winning and you get the odd shock. Whereas this was just shock, 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 shock all the time. It, even if it wasn't the first day or two, but then then it was just carnage. And yeah, by the quarterfinals, you know, almost all the top players had gone. Uh, just Mark Williams still going, really. So yeah, it just felt, it's felt very chaotic, but in a good way. That was certainly no slight on uh, the organisation of the tournament. It's just the nature of these short matches, the random draw. Um, yeah, I saw, I saw one of the draws there. That was uh, quite interesting to watch firsthand. They were showing that on YouTube on the first few rounds, but I think it was good they put that onto TV. That that made it more of a spectacle. Um, but yeah, I think the feedback in the tournament in general has been pretty good from the players, especially. I've seen a few players tweeting out that uh, they were pretty pleased with it. It was all very exciting. I'm sure they wouldn't take best of fives in every tournament, but as variety, then uh, very good, I think. Yeah, I think you summed it up very well there. And obviously, you know, you have your experience of being there, which is, um, you know, uh, invaluable when it comes to it, any 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 event, any snooker event. Um, I feel I'm going to fudge it a bit and so I came a, a bit in between the two in, in the end, in the sense that I enjoy the tournament massively. So, I mean... In that sense, I can't complain about it, and and no other, and and everyone I know pretty much enjoyed it. Some didn't. There were some dissenters, but I did think, and I messaged you during the week, didn't I? I think it was on Friday I messaged you, saying that oh, it's, this best of five is going on a bit bit too long for me now. I, I was tiring a little bit of the format. Um, look, it's not a lottery. That's too much of a loaded word. 
you know, Mark Williams won the tournament for heaven's sake. And I think, you know, I think it still ended up at that thing. It was still a top final virtually. I mean, you were saying quite, you know, quite, you know, uh, uh, very good prediction, I think, that it could be like the UK Open darts and one slightly more surprise finalist, which Gary Wilson could come in that category. He's mm. not really been there very often, but he has ultimately been in a world semi. So it was still a, a pretty good final, one all-time great against one sort of seasoned pro that hasn't won anything but has been near before. But, I, I, you know, in an ideal world, I know that wasn't possible in this event because of the time needed and the, and the four tables in operation. Uh, I, I, I thought the best... The, the the best of five worked until the Thursday night for me. And then I felt as it got towards the business end a bit, mm, I, I wanted a bit more. So I suppose in an ideal world, I probably would like um, best of five, first and second, maybe best of seven, third and fourth, and then maybe go up a little bit, best of nine, and then maybe best of 11 for the final as it was. But listen, you know, it, I, I, I just felt a couple of times that, I, I, I almost felt there was slight injustice about some of the matches a bit, a, a little bit. I mean, a funny one to pick up, but Judd Trump beat Stuart Bingham 3-1. Now, I, I'm certain that Stuart Bingham was the better player in that match. Now, he didn't, <laughs> he, he didn't pop the balls to make it so, Judd won 3-1. But I, I'm sure if that was a longer match, Stuart would have won. I mean, I, I, that's just a, you know, I'll just throw that out there. Maybe not a best of seven, but a best of five, best of 11. And I think he might have done. I think he was a better player than Judd. But it's so short that all you've got to do is make a couple of mistakes and you're out. But that's the nature of it. I, I wouldn't like it that often either, I must be honest. But look, I enjoyed the tournament. It was great. And I think what, what I'm trying to promote, if anything, or we're trying to promote on this podcast, Phil, is a bit of nuance because it seemed like everybody was totally dead against it before. Oh, this is going to be dreadful. I can't watch it. It's rubbish. And two or three days in, suddenly everyone's saying how wonderful it is. It's like, mm, yeah, it was good, but there's also a bit of nuance and in between, really. And that's the that's the way I like to sit on the fence on this one, Phil Haig. Yeah, no, and you're dead right. Like, no one, no one's ideal format for a tournament is best of five. You know, that's no one's dream setup. If they were made, if they were given uh, World Snooker's budget and could do what they want with it. Um, but equally, it's, it's like the shootout. Every year the shootout comes around and it sort of people are saying how daft it is. And then you get to the end of the shootout and you end up thinking, oh, what a great few days out was. It's quite fun. Um, and it's the same we with know it. That, sorry to interrupt. We know that's daft, though, don't we? It's a bit different because we we have the pre... It's the expectation. We know it's going to yeah. be daft. Whereas this, I sort of think, you know, say ma- masquerading as a serious tournament is a rude way of saying it. It was a serious tournament, but... There were, there were, it's the British Open. It's a prestigious name. It's a great name. You know, it's different to something yeah. that sort of set up. The shootout is set up, set up ultimately as fun, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And as for, yeah, that is the point, isn't it? I think that's what some people had a problem with. If they just called it something new, something different, then there would have been less dissenting voice, I suppose. But yeah, I think, I mean, as I said, no one, if this is a one off on the calendar, the one best of five tournament, then great. I think everyone would like to see it back and, could be the this, this season opener in future like that. It's, it's a lot of fun. You get to see a lot of different players. Um, everyone gets a, a really good chance to do well. Um, yeah, I mean, Ali Carter did a good tweet. Um, awesome. I love the British Open. Felt the event had a real buzz about it. The format is cutthroat, but exciting. Would love to see more events like this, actually. So me saying that people wouldn't like more, the captain wouldn't mind more. Um, 
But yeah, I think cutthroat is the right thing. It's it's not un it's not unfair, is it? Everyone's got the same chance of winning. It's just brutal. And uh, you know, as as he proved when he went out, he made a one four seven, lost three one. That was it. Um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I don't I don't want even if it's like a really successful viewing figures and stuff. Great, bring it back as it is. I certainly don't want them to be, then go. Oh, everyone loves the best of five. So let's make other tournaments like that. Mm. I think that 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 would uh, that would be disappointing. Um, but yeah, I think I mean Gary Wilson himself was actually quite critical of it beforehand uh, on social media, um, and he said he mentioned it in his interview after he lost in the final. Said he, he he wasn't sure about it. He's a traditionalist, likes the longer matches, but the crowd and the excitement and the and the random draw. I think everyone seemed to like the random draws. Mm. That mm. seemed to go down really well. And I spoke to Sean Murphy after he lost Mark Selby in the first round. And I said to him, you're sort of the first big victim of the random draw, being the first top player to draw another top player and lose. Um, but he, he couldn't get enough of it. He was saying he, he wanted some random draws in every tournament, um, not just this one. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think in general, it's gone down quite well. Um, as a... As a not not novelty act because it's a serious big ranking tournament, but uh, it's gone down very well. If it's just this once in the calendar, I think I think that's I think that's how I'd sum it up. It's a good way of summing it up. And I also thought uh, quite a few characters, including one or two learned pundits that we know very well on on Twitter, said it kind of works as a curtain raiser. Now I know we have the Championship League, but the first really big event and it kind of works as that one and certainly the first big event on terrestrial free-to-air television and yes there is that feel to it and it's a it's a decent slot you know i mean we had loads of big events this summer but most of them have gone now uh, football starting but it's kind of early yeah there's test cricket but that didn't interfere with a lot of the week um so it was a good slot i felt there was a quite a few evenings i haven't seen any viewing figures i really wanted to during the week but i've, I've not heard any myself um and as, if we do, actually, we'll try and put it on the on the, on the Talking Snooker Twitter feed for you. Um, but uh, yes, the proof of the pudding will, you know, it is in the fact, I guess, that people enjoyed it. I thought they could have made more more of the draws actually. And I I, I love I love draws ever since I was <laughs> ever since I was a boy and used to listen on Monday lunchtime on the wireless when they, you know the next voice you hear and it you know. Bert Millerchip and Graham Kelly, whoever it was, doing the FA Cup draw. I love that. I love the FA Cup draw now, still European Cup draws. I just find them interesting and fun. And I'm, I'm a bit of a draw nerd and a bit of a draw obsessive. And I felt that it was good. And it was lovely seeing our good friends, Ivan and Roddy from World Snooker, did it. They did it impeccably. But I would have liked them to make a bit more of a deal for it. I wasn't always totally sure when it was um you know and I like to think I'm quite a switched on character but it seemed to be told quite late and it wasn't quite sure and I think it, we, we should be sure I, I I'm sure you're probably gonna now tell me because you were there there were very there were some organizational reasons why it wasn't always possible to do it exactly when we would have wanted it type thing but I did feel okay TV for the last 16 onwards but it felt like they started making a big deal of it when it got late and I wanted them to make a big deal of it earlier type thing yeah I know what you mean I think I don't think they fully uh, had decided things until quite late on. I know the first first draw that they made there, so the second round draw, um, they were sort of deciding when it was going to be until quite soon to before it was on. And there was talk of it being on TV even a couple of hours before it, it wasn't on TV. So I don't think firm decisions have been made. And 
Um, it is a bit tricky. Like I, again, I've done a lot of equating into the UK Open Darts, and they do. It's a lot easier there. Um, they do it at the end of each round. They do it on stage, do it on TV, get the pundits on. It is it is a more of a big deal, more of a thing. Um, but that's because all the players are there, and they and they just go over to the stage, and it doesn't really matter. There's not much organisation, but they needed to do these at reasonably specific times because players needed to know when they were next playing. So there was there was a lot of, and they were quite they had to be quite early, didn't they? So there was a lot of uh, either or will play either or. Yeah, um, it wasn't as clear as perhaps other, uh, like the darts would be. Um, because you know, in the early rounds, guys playing Monday morning weren't back until uh, Wednesday night or Thursday or something. So is it? It's sort of it's harder to organise. Um, but yeah, hopefully by the end of the round, by the end of the tournament, they were doing it on TV with Alan and Rob, and that, that was quite good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. If it comes back, hopefully that will be a bit more clearly organised, and if they can do it, uh, make more of a thing of it. Because why not? It's a bit of a spectacle, isn't it? Um, not not that Ivan and Roddy doing it in the players' room wasn't something of a spectacle, but it could be more of a spectacle, I think. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I think it's a learning process, isn't it? This tournament, we'll see how it goes. We'll see what works, see what didn't work, uh, and they'll be tweaked next year, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. And I want to make very clear that this is clearly, as you say, it's the first year. Of course, they're not going to get absolutely everything right, and I hope that you know if some of the things we say seem negative, I hope they're you know, also fit into the constructive criticism category as well. Mm-hmm. The, the week was a big success. It, you know, it, it, it looked great. It, it, some, of, some of the sessions had slightly disappointing crowds early on, but it built up and up and it was a wonderful sight. I mean, we put out on Twitter tonight that that, that final tonight, I mean, that's just what we've missed. I know we had it at the Crucible, but to have it at another event outside that, that, obviously the biggest one, really reminded us, even in these other ranking events, to have that big crowd in a final. And I know Phil Seymour um, put out a message on our, to us on Twitter as well, saying he, he could hardly hear himself, but he loved it during the announcement. Yeah. And that's what we want. These are the big nights. These are, this is the lifeblood of the sport, then, isn't it? I, I looked at those faces yeah. tonight, just watching on television, you know, honest, good snooker fans that have not been able to see this sport for the last 18 months and they're reveling in it. And it's just, it, it we, I mean, look, we see it in all sports. I mean, the start of this football season, it, it's night and day, isn't mm-hmm. it? Between the last season and a bit. It's just, it's a different sport, actually. In fact, one of the uh, football journalists I really like um, reading a lot said it was like going from black and white into colour almost. When the, when the fans came back a little bit at the end of last season and now the full crowd, we're seeing it in football. We're seeing it in snooker as well. God, we had some drama in the behind closed doors era, stuff we'll never forget. But the crowd back, it just gives it that luster, that buzz that we just missed so much, didn't we? Yeah, definitely. It was a great, it was a great addition to the final and uh, the lot, lots of passionate fans on both sides there. There were a lot of go on Gary's and a lot of go on Mark's. And actually, I think the characters... Um, if they were different characters in that final, would have got a lot edgier. It didn't actually get super edgy or nervy, I don't think. There weren't any twitches going on. Um, but I think that you expect that from Williams. And actually, Gary Wilson's very... Uh, he holds himself together very well, when um, generally. Um, so, yeah, but I think in, it, other players being thrown into back into that atmosphere would have got a lot, bit, uh, a lot edgier. But, yeah, uh, no, it was great. And I think they put extra seats in for the final. Yes, um, I think Phil Yates. I heard him saying um, because they told it, and then yeah, seventy or eighty extra sheets. So 
great news. It looked good. It looked they always get managed. It's like at the Crucible when you see certain angles of the crowd and it looks it looks like a football stadium. Look, they made it look massive. Yeah, um, it's not actually a massive arena, but they made it look very good. But it was full, so it was great. Um, back to the other point about just sort of uh, them learning from this one. When I spoke to Jason Ferguson last week, um, he he made an interesting point that this this was sort of thrown together relatively quickly. Mm. Um, like they they this was not like some long term plan to bring the British Open back. Uh, they needed something to fill a bit of space in the calendar, and they wanted something that would give it some kudos. So. Um, they brought back the British Open uh, at really quite short notice. So, um, yeah, if there's things that didn't quite work or could be done better, then uh, I'm sure they will be by next time. Um, I think you've frozen, Phil. I don't, know if, I, I don't know if I can still be heard or if we've just completely broken up. I'm not sure if that's an internet thing. Mine's still working, as far as I know. We have an unfortunate break in, in communication there, didn't we, Phil Haig? Can yeah, you... I'm not sure what happened there. Ghosts in the machine. I, I, I hope this is still the same recording. Do you think it is? We didn't. I didn't press stop or anything. Hopefully, people are. No, still... I think we're. I think we're good. I think we're good. St. Helia calling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's press ahead. It strikes me, you know, Phil. Not only do people have to put up with that break there, but um, but we are going off a different tangents. But I think that's appropriate for this tournament because, you know, I don't know about you, but the more. The things you're saying, I'm I'm sort of remembering, and and it, and that's kind of the the way it is, really. Um, we 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 maybe should go through each specific round now, should we? Um, I mean, Phil, what a start it was! I mean, it, it almost set the tone. What do you want from a tournament? First frame, well, a good one, something entertaining, you know, a battle on the colours. John Higgins, one of the greats, one four seven. What what <laughs> spectacular! I mean, you know, yeah, wonderful. It was amazing, and it, it was one of those where it sort of after about three reds, so you thought, Ooh, this could this could be, but because the first frame, like you never really think it. Um, I was chatting to Louis Heathcote up there, um, who's a Leicester lad, and I think he was playing just after, so quite a few of his friends and family were in. Um, for that match and I think he said a couple of them had never been to live snooker before and that was the first frame they'd ever seen of live snooker <laughs> but, uh, yeah incredible really um and then he went and won his match afterwards so yeah great afternoon for the the Heathcote supporters there they must have had a really nice time um but yeah I mean amazing from John and that really sort of, as you said it set the tone for exciting tournament and I see a lot of the first round matches I was looking through sort of memorable matches and a, many of them were in the first round. Um, some really good ones. Uh, even that that very first morning, I think it was the first match that was on, which was being streamed. Uh, Stephen Hallworth, when he lost to Joe O'Connor, another Leicester lad, um, went 2-0 up and lost 3-2. A heartbreaker for him. But, yeah, I mean, we could go through so many of these, but there were some, I thought, some really memorable ones when, like, Kyron Wilson went out in the first round, lost 3-2 despite making two centuries. Yeah. Um, 
similarly, Michael Holt very nearly did the same. I think he made a 95 and a century in his 3-2 loss to Mark Davis from 2-1 up. Um, so, yeah, incredible stuff. Big shocks. Lisowski losing to pinchers. I don't think many people would have bet on that. No. Um, although we did mention that. I think we did mention how when we were talking about long-priced underdogs. Okay. Uh, that did come up when we spoke about last week, but I didn't invest any money because I didn't think it would happen, to be honest. <laughs> and then, obviously, the the headline-grabbing ones, you know, Mark Allen against Rian Evans, Selby Murphy and Hendry picking up a win. So, yeah, there was just all sorts going on, lots of stories. Trump nearly going out in the first round against Mitchell Mann, of course. Yes, he got out of jail in that one. Didn't play very well in that game at all. Typical jail, as he often does, still manages to win. But, yeah, I mean, the first night was dominated by Mark Allen against Rianne Evans. Um, well, Rianne Evans, as I've said many times now, is a, is a terrific snooker player. She is terrific to watch. He says from his armchair, and when we play soon, you'll see that if I get three balls in a row, it's special. So, but (laughs) in the spirit, if you don't have to be an actor to be a theatre critic, I I always think when I've seen Rianne recently, her cue ball control is not quite as you'd want it to be. And I think it just lets her down a little bit because, but in saying that, she should's a big word, but she really should have beaten Mark because. How many times would that shot where she tried to uh, develop the reds would have come off? Yeah. Nine times out of ten. She was so unlucky not, not to win that. I mean, Mark, Mark Allen stepped up to the plate. That clearance he made to go 2-2 under the most intense pressure was, was bloody magnificent, actually. It said a lot about him. It was so many hard shots. It was so, so impressive. I remember a blue to middle and then a, a tough pink as well. It was just brilliant stuff. And obviously, Mark, Mark Allen won 3-2. I, I thought it was quite an ugly night, Phil, I'll be honest. Um, we praised the crowd, and they deserve to be praised for a lot. But I thought the crowd in that night, probably a minority, but a big, a big minority, let's say, uh, was uh, n- not great. Nick Sellers, a journalist we both know, top journalist, he, he, he um, came in our Twitter feed and used the word la- loutish, or it came across as loutish. And I would go along with that. I don't mind passion. I don't mind, you know, shouting and emotion. That's why we all love the Masters so much, for example, that generates all that every year. Well, nearly every year, apart from the one just gone because of the pandemic. (laughs) But uh, this was uh, too much. Um, Television cameras did pick up on Rianne. She seemed to be telling her fans to quieten down at one stage. And as a few people were saying, I'm not sure it did Rianne many favours. I mean, Mm. a couple of times they were hollering, you know, and it was like the table was hopeless for her. You know, it's like it wasn't, none of it wasn't, was appropriate. A lot of it wasn't appropriate. And actually some people said on Twitter, it wasn't uh, a snooker crowd. And I I would, I would agree with that. I I know that we messaged each other and you were in the press room. So you didn't get quite get, um, Mm. you know, to, the same experience, but um, yeah, I thought it was um, it almost made a bit made it a bit aggressive, really. And obviously, there's the backstory which we know, which is a sad one. They've got a daughter involved, so it's very personal. It's it's very sad, actually. It's quite saddening. And mm. you know, I, there was a soap opera element to it. That I did, I didn't, you know, I, I sometimes wonder about my instincts of the journalist. I'm sure a lot of journalists were rubbing their hands, but. I'm not a red top man, in fairness, and I, and I found I found it some of it a bit much, really. And um, some of the snooker was great, and credit to them for that. But I, I found it it's certainly a mixed night. Uh, what did you? How did you see it? Yeah, I, I know exactly. What you mean, um, I think the crowd thing. It was easy to forget. There's three other tables going on as well. 
and that I think the ref could have really stepped in or someone could have stepped in and maybe gone to calm down a bit as well because um, that, I think other players on the other tables were not being helped at all by that either. Um, and yeah, that both Brianna and Mark were struggling to find the best form for a lot of it because especially the opening two or three frames, I, uh, it was a mad atmosphere. Um, I know when Rianne walked in, she sort of gave a couple of fist bumps to the crowd, fist pumps to the crowd, got them going, but um, I don't think she expected it to be quite like it was. I don't know, but yeah, uh, I know what you mean. It was, it wasn't the soap opera side of it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's a very unique, interesting story, but it's not a particularly nice one, as you say. It's quite sad, um, and I don't think either of them would want to be playing. Would want that to happen again. Hopefully, if it does happen again. It certainly won't be as big a story, will it? It won't get the circus around it that that one did, um, because it's already happened once. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a engaging night for sure. I mean, this the snooker lived. I was going to say lived up to it. Not, not that it was like a memorably excellent game, but it, in terms of quality, but it was in terms of drama. Uh, and as you say, that blue when she tried to cannon those reds, it all would have gone right. Yeah, and even that red she had. Uh, that rattled in the jaws. Uh, it wasn't easy by any stretch. Oh but yes. Do, do you think Mark left that on? Do you think Mark left that on purpose? I've forgotten that one. And on the cushion, it, it was a funny one. It was a strange one. And he certainly did. He knew what he was doing, and he left it definitely potable. Um, I think she would expect to pot it. Really, it wasn't easy. But um, considering, I think it was match ball, mm. um, and didn't need to do anything with the white. Um, so yeah, it was an in- it was a very intriguing gamble from Alan there, the one that paid off. Um, but yeah, I think what what you said about her, her white ball, that's what Mark actually gave quite a good quick analysis afterwards. He was saying she got some unbelievable uh, pops, um, it was just safety uh, um, positional play, sort of let her down slightly. But yeah, we don't want to criticise. Very nearly beat one of the best players in the world. Um, and yeah, I think it proved that she certainly can compete. That is a unique situation and atmosphere. So I can't judge anyone based on that particularly, but uh, she can compete with top players for sure. Yeah, wins are going to come for Rihanna. In, in many ways, what we saw from her here, I didn't, I don't, I don't think I saw her last uh, match in the Championship League actually, where she got beaten three 0 But she did say she wasn't very well for that. But I saw mm-hmm. her earlier two matches. And I thought it was a carbon copy of this, that she was in the balls often, looking great, uh, made some nice breaks, probably some terrific shots, some of them long distance, very good pots indeed. But just as, you know, just ran out of that crucial time, sort of 40, 50 points. And often she would lose the frame and that kind of happened against Mark. And um, yeah, I, I'm sure wins will come, um, you know, for, for, for Rianne. And, uh, and soon she plays like that. But um, well, yeah, round one was, yeah, as you say, Full, full of drama and seemed to go well, it seemed to go on forever it did go on forever it was on until Wednesday night um, but as I said we, we could talk about each round forever but let's move on to round two and well we saw the first of those Mark Williams escapes against Dominic Dale it was a strange decision for, for, from Dominic Dale not to go for a re-spot wasn't it actually I mean it has to be said because Mark could was it sneak was it a paint near the pocket that Mark sneaked in off um, Dominic Black, yeah the black, sorry, um, and uh, yes, it was a it was a peculiar one, um, but uh, yeah, we, we, it was a long way to go there. We didn't think, you know, that anyone's 
name was on the trophy by that stage. But of course, now you you thread all the parts together, looking at the Williams victory, and he, he was he was fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. I spoke I spoke to Mark after that game, and yeah, it was two 0 down in that game, and he said uh, he said it was sort of embarrassing how bad he was playing at that point. And he said if you if you if you just spoke to him at two 0 you'd think there was zero percent chance of him winning that game. They were his words, not mine. Um, but yeah, he, he he managed to turn it on. I think he made a seventy yard to, in the third, and then looked a lot better. Um, but yeah, uh, I think I think Mark described it as madness from uh, Dominic, uh, and it was really. Uh, it was so obviously a re-rack, and you don't see that that often with one person uh, keen to do the re-rack, and unless the other person got a bit of got a few points on the board that they wanted to hold on to. Usually they just go for it, don't they? Um, and then he just did the obvious thing that he shouldn't do. And I think Williams described it as a nine out of ten pot with the with the black making it a big uh, big pocket. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> Dominic will hopefully learn from that. But it's just a very strange thing from a man of his experience. But yeah, there we go. Um, but yeah, that was when Williams was struggling to do to find any sort of form, but yeah, uh, one of his early escapes. But yeah, you mentioned it earlier, Trump beating Bingham. Um, when Carter beat Selby 3-0 in that round, uh, that's when I was really thinking he's uh, uh, not just a serious threat, like an actual quite likely winner of this tournament at that stage. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a notable one because that was a full house, uh, lots of passionate Leicester fans in there supporting Mark Selby, but Ali Carter's the kind of person who enjoys that bear pit atmosphere not that it was really I think that's a bear pit it's probably a bit much they were they were Mark Selby fans but it, it wasn't as you described the Rianne Havins Mark Allen <laughs> game um, but yeah I remember thinking at that point Ali, Ali could well win this one no exactly I've, I've forgotten that so much has happened but yeah he, he blitzed Mark off the table that night actually Ali he was terrific and mm. another notable result was John Higgins beating Cal Peng 3-2 and Higgins was delighted with that and I think he's saying what a lot of us are thinking, that Cal Yupeng could be one of the players of this season if he carries on playing like he has done so far. Now, on to Stephen Hendry. Now, he had that first round win um, that we talked about or mentioned. Um, he lost 3-0 uh, to Gary Wilson. Now, we have a very mature uh, bunch of listeners. We know that, Phil. And the conclusion on Twitter was, give the man a chance and give the man time. That's the perfectly fair conclusion. However, it was a painful watch. Uh, I found it a pretty uh, sort of a... I'm cringing now thinking about it. I mean, he, he was awful, Hendry, wasn't he? Now, mm. again, there's lots of nuance involved in this. Um, uh, uh, two or three people have said on Twitter that, you know, he seems to be enjoying himself. Isn't that the main thing? Yes, it is. If he's finding an element of happiness and peace and coming back and proving himself a point league and still win matches, which he's doing. He's playing in front of a crowd again now, which he wanted to do, couldn't do last season. Um, but I don't know. Um, I did originally say that I didn't think anything could damage his reputation. I still think I probably would agree, agree with that assessment from me and still be thinking the same thing. But when you think of how absolutely incredible he was, there is something funny about it. And um, I mean, his standard was, was, was bad. And I don't know. I, d I just get the feeling and I don't blame them. because It's human nature. I just get the feeling that different commentators and pundits are being possibly a little bit too kind to Stephen. 
I mean, they, they know him very well. They're mates, aren't they? A lot of them. And they work together. They commentate together. They probably go out for dinners together during events. And there might be a little bit, um, you know, like Gary Wilson said, he thought the match was embarrassing. He might be too strong. A, a lot of people got that wrong, by the way, and tried to link it into him saying Henry was embarrassing. A couple of the news outlets, not at all. That was not what he was saying. He was saying the general standard of play was embarrassing. And Gary Wilson got a bit of a ticking off for that. I don't know. I thought he was entitled to say that if he wants. I mean... I mean, embarrassing is a very strong word, but it wasn't that far away from being embarrassing. I mean, it was it was an it was an awful match. It was it was pretty awful. I mean, am I being too harsh? No, I think I think Stephen would have said he was embarrassed by that performance, really. And I I don't want to sound that too critical, but that's the standards he he has it himself still. I know he knows he's not going to play like he did in his prime, but um, he he would have felt embarrassed by that. Like I just said, how Mark Williams said after, after two frames of that Dominic Dale match, he said he was embarrassed by how he was playing. You know, that's, those guys will feel like that. And yeah, I think with, when, when Gary Wilson said the match was an embarrassment, he sort of, you know, he's not calling Stephen Hendry an embarrassment, but he's, he's in, involving his performance in the fact that that match was an embarrassment because yeah. it was both of both. If if he thought his perform his own performance was embarrassing, he won three 0 So. You know that that does make Stephen's performance the same thing or worse. Um, but yeah, uh, I think he, he does need to get there definitely because he did. He looked good in parts in Chris that win against Chris Wakelin. I didn't think it was great at all. Um, there were some great pots in there. Um, I think a high break was forty-seven or something, so it was all right. But it's certainly not world beating. But um, yeah, I think what I think he said himself. He sort of. He does still lack belief a bit. And when it starts going wrong, I think you can see that he hasn't got the belief yet that he can turn it round. And if it, if it starts to unravel early, then it really does unravel. Um, and that, that could change still. I mean, that he was saying after his first round win, he's getting better and better every day on, in every practice session. And that belief is coming back. So, yeah, hopefully we won't see uh, too many more performances like that. But... I think I think this was always going to be the problem, isn't it? Like uh, we we all thought he could compete with people in the sort of bottom half of the rankings, um, even after a long break. But it was always going to be a, a struggle for him to compete with someone in the top half of the rankings. And Gary Wilson's a very very good player, so even Wilson not his best, you know, it was too much for him really. But um, yeah, I know what you mean. It was a, it was a tricky watch. It, I mean, it was like that. His match with Jimmy White was a very, very tough watch at times, um, but it's good. It's it's interesting to watch him, uh, and hopefully he'll keep plugging away and keep improving. He he was saying to me after after beating Wakeland that he's he's got no plans to stop at the end of this season. He's hoping for another wild card, um, and the aim is to get back to the Crucible, however long that takes. So his comeback isn't uh, isn't going to end anytime soon. If if it continues, if he continues to enjoy it and feel like he's getting better. Yeah, fair, fair, fair way of saying it all. Uh, I'm going to read a tweet from David Caulfield, our good friend, the very first voice that wasn't mine or Phil's to be heard on, on this podcast. Good friend of ours. He says on Twitter, still a bit confused by Henry's comeback, if I'm being honest, saying he was going to practice over the summer, but played golf instead, doing just one or two hours of daily practice ahead of this event. If you bother coming out of retirement, give it everything, surely. I mean, has he got a point, David? I mean, part, part of me thinks he has. I mean, what's the point of this comeback for Hendry? I mean, we know it's got Hendry's head. We'll have to ask him, I guess. But, 
am I right in, in saying that if he's, if he's getting things out of it, he looks like he is, then then who are the rest of us to complain? Or, or you know, should we be a little bit hard on him because he was such an incredible champion? It's, it's difficult to know. It's tricky. Um, I think he, he probably is doing more practice than he lets on. I don't think that's the problem. But I, I find that what he's what he's playing in and not playing in quite confusing. Um, I, again, I spoke to him after he beat Wakelin and uh, I just it was sort of asking about how the Scottish Open's in Wales and how that's weird. And then he was like, oh, yeah, I've, en- I've entered that, but I've not entered the Northern Ireland. But literally the, f- the thing bef- about two sentences before, he was saying, I just need match practice. I think I'll get there with match practice. And I said, well, how come you've not entered Northern Ireland then? And he just said, I don't know. There was no real reason for it. I just didn't fancy it. Yeah. So, that it, I did find it just doesn't that does, those two sentences don't add up, do they? I need match practice, but then I just didn't couldn't be bothered effectively to enter a ranking event that I could play in. So um, yeah, I see what David means. It is quite hard to sort of get your head round why he's not giving it all, but uh, but again, yeah, he can do what he wants. He's been given a free a free go at it, so. Um, He's he's doing what he wants with it, which is yeah fair enough because um, he's in position to do that, uh, and he thinks he's playing enough. Like that was another thing about how he hopes he'd get another wild card for after the end of the season if he's not in the rankings where he needs to be, because he was just told if he plays regularly then he'll get it, and he feels like he is. So yeah, it's it it's a strange one. It does it does feel like he's not giving it all his all. But he always said he wasn't. He always said it wasn't full time. So he had never had plans to do any more than that. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Him getting to the Crucible, which is the ultimate aim, does seem a bit of a way off at this point. I'm not saying he can't get there, but I, I don't. Him coming in at the very early stages of qualifying there, I don't think people would be putting too much money on him getting through at this stage. Yeah, no, fair enough. Phil, we, we, we'll be here till four in the morning if we don't uh, push push on a little bit. Round three, <laughs> a notable result was Ricky Walden beating John Higgins 3-1. But, uh, well, the really notable result was Judd Trump beating 3-2 by Elliot Slesser, which meant Trump uh, lost his world number one status. It's going to Mark Selby. Loads of debate about, about this. We put out a couple of lines on Twitter. We've had some great um, points either way. It's a great talking point. It has to be said. We can't deny that. Um, the way I feel about it is, to be honest, Trump feels like the premier player in the game, you know, and I think most of the snooker public and most of the sporting public would see it that way. But um, we spoke a bit before, you know, coming on air. And as you rightly said, it's a bit skewed at the moment because we're losing the Chinese events. So points are coming off for that. And also, you know, again, I know it, it, the triple crown is not a popular uh, phrase and f- for reasons I totally understand. Some of them I, I go along with, actually. I do understand the argument for that. But at the end of the day, I, I, I've always believed the World UK and Masters are the three biggest events in the game. And, and then the Masters is actually irrelevant in this debate. There's no ranking points. But OK, let's look at maybe the Tour Championship as well. The, the really biggest titles are the ones that Trump hasn't been picking up. So you could argue, well... Mark's just won the biggest one of the lot, the World Championship. Now, some people think it's too many points for that, too much money for that on the points. Uh, so the rankings and Mark still hasn't done enough because he's won that. So it's difficult. But then it's not as if Mark's won nothing else. He's still won, I think, two or three last season apart from that. So 
Uh, it's a difficult one. Um, uh, and we understand from um, Matt Hewitt, who is, of course, a Bible on these matters, that, that um, Judd Trump will take over as number one again, Arthur, Northern Ireland, whatever happens. I think even if Selby wins it. So it's a bit of a sort of weird mess. Um, but obviously Selby's close anyway. It's, it's hardly an, out, an outrage. But it's um, it, it's interesting. Where, I've got a few players' views here um, on our Twitter. I'll read those out in a minute. But where do you stand? Do you, do, do, do you, have, do you, do you feel sorry for Judd? Uh, yeah, I think I've read someone make the point that if you asked everyone, anyone who knows anything about snooker or follows it currently, who the best player in the world is, they would all, almost all say Trump. Yeah. So yeah. if the ranking system doesn't reflect that, then there's something wrong with the ranking system. But at the same time, they're very level. Like There's, there's very little between them. Yeah. And... I think I think what we're discussing is what is the problem? Can you win loads of smaller tournaments? Is that better than winning one or a couple of bigger ones? And effectively, the rankings they're so close in the rankings that that we're saying that that is very similar, which I don't have a problem with, really. Um, and it's so similar that Trump's about to go back to the top as well. Um, you know, if you spoke to some people uh, who follow other sports or maybe don't follow sports that much. And you said the world champion isn't world number one. They they would find that confusing. Um, I mean, I don't go along with that, but some people would say that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't have massively strong feelings about it. I would say that we don't need to. We don't need to sort of unless you had a plan to change the ranking system anyway. Fair enough, but it's a very strange time to be judging it on. Effectively, Trump defending his international championship win from two years ago at the British Open, which in completely different tournament with different money, um, different setup. Every, it couldn't be more different. Um, so it's an unusual situation he finds himself in. Um, but yeah, I think I didn't like the points. I like the clarity of the money system. There's talk of it going back to a point system, which um, I find just a bit messy, even if it's fairer, supposedly. But yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't think there's. I don't think there's major problems with it. But it does seem like I'm sure you're about to read these players' opinions out, and it does seem like the certainly the most vocal players, anyway, um, would like to see it changed. Yeah, no, I think that's that, that's that's definitely that's definitely fair. Certainly, among the players that, that contacted us uh, on this matter, well, Sean Murphy uh, was the first to do so, and he says. A money-based ranking system was always going to throw up these anomalies, with some events being worth so much more than others. I think the majority of players believe it's time for a points-based system to return, but this time with a money list running alongside, like golf. Joe Perry says, yes, Mark is worthy of the number one spot due to winning the biggest competition and being consistent in others. But it does show the system doesn't properly reflect who wins the most time for a change, in my opinion. Michael Holt, uh, replying, says, couldn't agree more with this. Still have a money list for the Grand Prix Tour Championship and Players Championship. It's good for that. But for the world rankings, points bait is best. I mean, I, I struggle a little bit with this because I'm, I've never, rankings have never really been that high in my list of priorities with any of the sports I follow. I think I'm, you know, just generally so much more into who wins stuff and titles and things like that rather than rankings. But... <laughs> What is certainly true is, Phil, if it's going to be this tit for tat this season, it's going to be, I mean, we love our sort of different narratives, don't we? And those 
kind of um, narratives outside the, the narratives, if, if you like. And this is going to be a fascinating one. If Judd's going to go back, Mark can get it back off him. I mean, look, Judd's a, Judd's a bit miffed about it, isn't he? He's saying, you know, what more can I do than win five or six tournaments a year? If, I, if that's not enough, then what can I do? I mean, he clearly thinks it's wrong. Um, but, well, I'll tell you one thing. You've got to say, I mentioned it before we came off on air, actually. We were trying to work out... Um, things that happened with the points a couple of years ago. And I remember being in Crawley for that Selby win. First win for about a year, I think, or maybe just over. Yeah. English Open title. And then the idea that he'd get back to world number one less than two years later, and it wasn't quite pie in the sky because it's Mark Selby, but you were like, nah, I can't see it. I mean, <laughs> it's a towering achievement. There might be the odd anom- anomaly and complaint about the system, but he may be an all-time great, Mark, but he has done supremely well in that two years less than two years to get back to the top yeah definitely I, I, I was I think I was at the first round of that tournament I spoke to him there and uh, I can't remember who he just beat him but it'll be a lower ranked player because it's the first round but um, he was really sort of struggling for confidence yeah it'd been a year or so since he'd won anything and he was just talking about sort of finding his game again um, but he mentioned then that the aim is to get back to number one and like you say you would never rule it out but it looked like a a long-term game uh, goal and one that, you know, didn't seem very likely at all. Um, so, yeah, to do it in less than two years, incredible. And I think that shows that, you know, the, the ranking system isn't so lopsided that a, a random qualifier has won it and gone to world number one. You know, Selby's, as you said, won a few other tournaments. He got the semis, the Crucible the year before as well, so that's a load of cash. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not so so lopsided that he's come out of nowhere and gone to number one. He has done quite a lot of other stuff as well. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, as you say, it's, uh, he's had a... It's, it's weird because Trump has seemed to be dominating, but, yeah, what are two years from Selby? Uh, it's been superb. And it'd be interesting now to see because he had had he did have that goal to get back to number one. I don't know what his goal is now. Obviously, to stay there. Um, or to then get back there after Northern Ireland when he's been knocked off again. But uh, um, we'll see where his motivation lies now and how how much he can keep it up this season because it'll be really interesting to see. Yeah, exactly. And just, you know, flicking through the results here for, for Mark Selby, you know, <laughs> forget he reached a final of the shootout. They're, 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 there's semi-finals in here. There's wins in here. He reached the English Open semi-final early in the season. He won the Scottish, of course. He won the European Masters. I mean, yeah, the, the way some people are talking, it's if oh, Mark won the Crucible didn't did, did play anything else, didn't turn yeah. up. Not, not quite the same. Yes, Judd had a much better season. No, not a much better. No, not a much better season. Because actually, Selby won the World Championships. So you'd argue Selby had a better season. Sorry, but Judd won more. He won more titles. Um, and it's I suppose it's a matter of opinion who had a better season. I would say Mark did because he won the World title. But... Anyway, it's getting late, Phil. My, my, my thoughts are going a bit skew if I, I, I blame the British Open. It's been such a crazy tournament. Now, where are we? I think we're up to maybe the last uh, 16 now. And uh, now I just started to think. You reminded me on Twitter. I, did, I don't remember if I said it on the pod or if I just said it to someone else in life, but I might have said it in the pod that that. It's one of those funny things in sport that David Gilbert would win his first ever ranking event and then go straight on and win. Do you know I really started to fancy what was going to happen? Yeah, I, so, yeah. I, I didn't see a lot. I either missed him on TV or he wasn't really on TV. 
Uh, I, I kept sort of seeing his results. I don't really think I saw much of David at all. But he beat Hamad Mir 3-0 in the last 16. And I honestly started thinking then, I think he might win this. Uh, Mark Williams got out of jail, beat beat Zhang Jiang Kang 3-2, um, you know, which was another, you know, he played yet another get-out-of-jail card, didn't he? But, um, yeah, did you start fancying Dave at that stage? Yeah, definitely. So uh, that was four matches and he dropped one frame, um, which, as I said before, like there's so many matches seem to go to a nervy decider and he was just seemingly strolling through the tournament. Uh, so, yeah, and, and as all the big names fell around him, uh, I think at that point he was probably second favourite behind Williams. Um, so, yeah, it definitely did seem, and we'll get onto this when we talk of going to the quarterfinals, but even the start of his match there, Looked like he was about to stroll through that as well, but and it started to go a bit wrong. But um, yeah, for sure, um, he he had the, the best of five section of the tournament is is the most perilous bit for the bigger names. But he, he breezed through it so comfortably that it did look did look very good for him at that point. Um, but yeah, not to be. Well, it was mainly during the course of finals that I was travelling over to Jersey, so I followed bits on my phone. Now, I know you saw the, the black that David missed that was absolutely crucial in the Gary Wilson match, losing 4-3, and you were saying it'll be, you know, it'll haunt him for some time, but he obviously came so close. But that's when we started seeing Gary Wilson and, uh, you know, really come to the fore again. And, you you know, you, you saw he's got real battling qualities, is not he? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean... He, he was already quite a long way behind in that in that uh, deciding frame, Dave Gilbert. Uh, so it, it, there was a lot of work to do after that black. And it, those, it was one of those with a long extended rest, so they're always a bit annoying. But, yeah, I mean, you would you certainly would have expected to get it and then don't know what would have happened after that. But, uh, yeah, um, I mean, Gary Wilson had, had done well up to that point as well. I mean, we'd spoken about how he didn't play well against Henry, but he beat him 3-0. His first three games he won 3-0. And then the first frames he dropped was against Hossein Vafai in the last 16. But Vafai has been playing great. Um, so to beat him at all, beating 3-2 was very impressive. Um, and yeah, uh, so the quarterfinals, he was 2-0 down and then 3-2 down to Gilbert. Uh, so yeah, great, as you say, great battling qualities to get through. And those all those quarterfinals were serious scraps. Uh, it was Zhu Yulong against Elliot Sessa was on at the same time as Gilbert Wilson. So they just flicked across that on TV at the end to catch an almighty drama on the final black there. Uh, they both kept missing chances to win the game. Slesser came from 3-1 down to win 4-3. So it was uh, amazing work from him to set up the local derby in the semis, the North East derby. Very much so. And, and the one we mentioned earlier, Ricky Ward, and I mean, heavens above, he had big chances to beat Mark Williams, beat Mr. Virtual Match Ball Pink and, and Williams uh, cleaned up. And then it started... Uh, being is Mark Williams' name on the trophy then, I think. Because that was the third get out of jail. It's like, wait a sec, you know, he's probably going to get better. You know, he's in the last four now. And as it turned out, his name was on the trophy uh, and it's on the trophy uh, tonight. Uh, But uh, that was real drama. And then Jimmy Robertson beat Lu Ning 4-2. Jimmy Robertson had a really good run, actually. And I felt he was one of the sort of forgotten men a little bit. He he, he He got nearly all the way, but that that's kind of the nature of this tournament with so many players. But, he, you know, he'll be very happy with his week's work. I mean, he lost to Mark Williams 4-1 in the semi-final. Uh, one particularly brilliant clearance from Williams in that match to go 3-1. And as Williams said, broke the back of that match. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Jimmy Robertson, a fine run for him. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, 
You beat Nopon early on, uh, I think. And then it was a very impressive win when we beat Stephen Maguire in the last 16 because um, Maguire sort of was building into the tournament a bit there. Uh, he had that awful match where he beat Martin O'Donnell 3-2, which was sort of, there was a bit of drama over that in the second round, wasn't there, when O'Donnell was playing at over 36 seconds oh, a shot. And, uh, on that. <laughs> didn't that, go that, down very well with Maguire. That's, that's slow, Phil. That is yeah. slow. Yeah, uh, yeah, I like. Um, I think Martin no, Don's a really good player. I think he yeah. like, definitely doesn't do it on purpose, and I think it doesn't help him actually. I think he needs to quicken up a bit. But uh, Maguire scrapped through that, and then he beat Jordan Brown three 0 I thought oh, Maguire's got a decent chance here. But yeah, Robertson saw him off three 0 in the in the last sixteen. So uh, and then to beat Looning, Looning's a very tough player to beat actually. Um, so yeah, semi finals for Jimmy Robertson will be very pleased with that overall. Uh, but yeah, as you say, it did look that, and then Mark Williams in the semi against him did seem to be like warming up a bit there. He's up playing quite nicely there, uh, and quite himself warmed up nicely for the final. Very much so. I, I don't know which pundit it was now. Um, it was one of those that proper learned ones that said that that's not a great sign for Maguire, really. And Maguire fans, you know, I know he said he kept himself together in that, but you know, he. It gets rattled. I mean, it's not easy. I mean, heavens above, when the guy is playing that slowly, um, it's you know, it's, it's going to affect you. But but he gets affected, if you know what I mean. And that that's something that you know has been a problem for him. But you know, perhaps. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, nearly forty seconds. I mean, listen, you get some hard shots. Of course, you do, and you need to take a minute, minute and a half, two minutes, maybe even thinking about them. But if that's an average time. And some of those, you know, you should be getting down and virtually hitting them straight away, really. Yeah, I, th- I think it definitely is a problem he, he probably needs to sort out. As I say, it's, it, it, while it does wind up his opponents, and that, that's probably a good thing for him, I don't think it helps him because he, he seems he seems hesitant even when he's sort of in the balls and like making a break and it's, there's nothing to think about or there shouldn't be anything to think about. Um, so I think he has got a bit of a block Um so it'd be interesting. I might try and speak to Martin O'Donnell actually a bit about it because um, he's had criticism in the past, and he that famously Neil Folds mentioned uh, a game he had, and Martin didn't take kindly to the criticism. So it'd be interesting to speak to him and see what he thinks about it now because I don't think anyone's going to defend. He was it was yeah nearly thirty seven seconds a shot. So I'd I'd be interested to see if he's got a, sort of a defence for it. I mean, you can do what you want, but uh, I don't think even he would think it's a good thing to be playing that slowly. No, that's a fair way of saying it. And, uh, well, the end of the semi-finals, yeah, that Williams win over Robertson and then the Gay Wilson beating his friend, uh, good friend Elliot Slesser 4-3 and set up the, the final. We talked a fair bit about Williams. I mean, I just before we came on air for, for this podcast, I was listening to Stephen Hendra on ITV and he he was, I'd say, go, going as far as pouring scorn on the idea that Wilson could win a ranking event soon. I was quite surprised. I thought, well, he just got near to winning this one, but... Henry was suggesting he needs to improve quite considerably. And he was saying, look, obviously anyone at that level can win a ranker. You know, the shootout's a ranker, was the way he put it. But I don't know, really. I mean, it doesn't seem too far away, but there's a bit of belief thing with him. And you sometimes wonder how, how his inner confidence is because he seems to be, yeah, he's so quite down on himself. He's one of those that he thought he needs to be in the right place, you know. But he's such a good player, you know. And you sort of think, it wouldn't be outrageous by any means if you never won a ranking event. But, you know, it, it'd be nice to think that with so many chances now, he'll, you know, one day that door might open. 
Yeah, it certainly wouldn't be a surprise if he won something. Um, and I, I don't know if Stephen said he d- he wouldn't. I don't think it would be a crazy thing to say that he wouldn't. Because uh, he's he still would, there and there. He was a long way away now. The, the way he's playing now, he feels like he's still a long way away to compete with the likes of Williams. He just says that, you know, he's still got a lot to do. But, I mean, he wasn't that far away, was he? No, not at all. I mean, he could easily have won that. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's got everything, really, isn't he? He's an amazing scorer when he gets going. Wilson, he makes him a lot of big breaks. Uh, uh, and he's a very clever um, safety player as well. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he would have won a tournament. Um, much sort of, well, I was, yeah, I was going to say much worse players than him have won a tournament. I think that's right. Or much sort of more unlikely players than him have won yeah. won tournaments. As you say, um, I mean, I don't, think, I'm not backing him to win the shootout or whatever. But all these short format tournaments, he's right in the mix with people. He's sort of around the. I think he's a bit lower down, isn't he? But you sort of put him around twenty in the world, isn't it? In the twenties, I think all those guys are in contention for for a lot of the short format tournaments. Um, and obviously he proved himself at the Worlds that time when he got to semis. But yeah, uh, he's not going to go in as a favourite to win anything for sure. But uh, he's he's got the game to compete with everyone. And he's shown that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, fair, fair way of, of summing up uh, the uh, runner-up in the Bushish Open, Gary Wilson. The winner, Mark Williams. Congratulations to him. Uh, the week as a whole, Phil, I think you have a different experience. You were there for half of it. I watched it all at home. I... Thoroughly enjoy the ITV coverage. I have to say, it made me laugh a little bit when I see people on Twitter. ITV should be doing this. They should be showing that. I think heaven's above. They're on air from, you know, not long after midday. And even though we thought, I thought they might be being optimistic being on air until 11 o'clock. But the first three or four nights, I'm sure went over that. Because, that, yeah. you know, while we saw some very good play, some of the matches were quite stodgy and they went on and it gave us very long nights. And I mean, and I felt like a bit of a broken record, really, but I think snooker fans have got to realise how lucky we are, really, to, to be on air for that many hours of a day, all week. And it's not like, oh, this is off now, we won't see any snooker for like six months. You know, we'll have the Quest free-to-air coverage along with the brilliant Eurosport coverage of the home nations when they come along, Northern Ireland and English. Blanket coverage of the UK, Masters in the New Year. We're very lucky. And I think sometimes people need to look at the bigger picture rather than going mad because ITV didn't show this or that. I mean, the coverage we have of this sport is, is I think, excellent. And I want to say hats off to ITV. Again, superb team. Their love of the sport is never in doubt. Superb team of presenters, commentators, pundits. Great, um, you know, re- really good package packages put together by them. And uh, yeah, I just... The all-encompassing thing is, Phil, there are little complaints here and there or little things that quibbles, things that could have been a bit better. But I I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a smashing week. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, the amount of courage is huge. And even in the mornings, you know, I was watching on sort of Bet365 streams, which you wouldn't choose to do, but they, they can't have it on from nine o'clock in the morning on ITV for all day, every day, can they? You can't expect everything. Um, I've got a couple of more interesting quotes from players here um, on that topic. Uh, Peter Devlin, who lost in the first round, I think to Slater actually, um, he said, to be fair, as a spectator of the British Open, because I wasn't involved very long, um, I've, I've grown to really like the format. Random draws and short formats for casual viewer is really exciting. Venue is absolutely class and I could see the sport gaining new fans due to this. Very positive from Peter. And then David Grace as a point to ITV as well. 
ahead of the final, can I say what a brilliant job ITV have done covering this event. Table one coverage is always spot on, but the way they acknowledge the results on the outside tables as very much part of the event has been superb. So, yeah, I think the players, I've not really heard much negative feedback from players at all. They all seems to be uh, to be very positive. And I thought that there, I, I thought it was it was run brilliantly um, and on TV looked great. So, yeah, I mean, back to what we said right at the start. I don't want to see this format every tournament, but I'd happily see it come back like this again. Yeah, and I like that point from David Grace. I, I, I like the fact they're referencing results um, elsewhere. They do that in the Championship League. And I think that's because, not only this, but I think that's because you've got people like David Hendon, Phil Yates there. You've got journalists in there. You've got proper journalists and broadcasters that understand the bigger picture. In fairness, Neil Foles is great like that as well. Obviously, he was a fabulous player back in the day, Neil. But he is now, I, I would class him as a, a proper broadcaster in that mould as well. And those guys, they, they understand that, you know, it's not just about what you're watching, it's the other things going on. It all adds to the kind of ambience. And I think they flicked to the end of the car to 147, didn't they? I, I think yeah. they did. So that they were doing things like that. I, I'm sure there were restrictions and good reasons why they couldn't always go here or go there. But they were going over for, for, for big moments elsewhere. And it gives it that whole sort of um, tournament feel. And I, I like that. You know, you know you're watching table one and that's the main match. And let's face it, the match they were showing, it wasn't really, I don't think, any of the week a controversial choice. I mean, I think the match yeah. that was on was pretty much the right choice nearly all the time. But other things are going on as well. And yeah, I, I just thought I, I thought it was very good, really. I mean, you know. Uh, and, and, a, and, a, and a really enjoyable tournament. And will it come back next year in this format, do you think, and the same venue? Uh, I don't know about the venue. Um, that that would be up for, <laughs> that could be up yeah. for any reason. Anything could happen. But yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be all down to viewing figures. I haven't seen the viewing figures either. Um, I heard talk of that of the first night ones being excellent with Mark and Rianne. Um, well, I don't know what that means in terms of actual numbers. Um, but yeah, when the, when they come back, that's what it'll be judged on. I think that's what um, generally what, the, what they take the lead on. Um, but yeah, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if it came back just the same as this with a few minor tweaks. Um, I suppose venue wise, because they, they had four tables in this venue. If they were in a venue where they could have more, that would allow them to extend the format a bit. But yeah, no, I, I I would be happy to see this come back as it was. I enjoyed it, uh, and as I sound like a broken record here, but yeah, I don't want the, I don't want this uh, I don't want them to say, "Oh, great figures here, let's make the home nations best of five. But certainly, as if this is the British Open from now on, I'm fine with it. Like it, yeah. Nice one, and well, we now have a period of qualifying coming up, and some of the players are not playing now for six, seven weeks, and you know. What it, what it reminds me, Phil, is how lucky we are generally. And God would, you know, God willing, and I see no reason why we would, let's not see a return to those darker days of 11, 12, 13, 14 years ago when we had hardly any events and long breaks all the time. Because, you know, it, it's going to be, you know, by the way, folks, we've got plenty of treats coming up for you on this podcast. I'll tell you about some of those uh, shortly. But... You know, Mark Selby was saying he's going to spend the next three or four weeks on the golf course and then get back to practice. You know, it's um, it's it's a dry period. We know the reasons. It's the pandemic. Should have been going to Turkey for one thing, but um, 
yeah, it just shows us how lucky we are. And uh, maybe it's that thing about not taking anything for granted so much going in the future. Yeah, it's, it's a funny period, isn't it? Because it's, it seems like we've got less than we did during the lockdown year, as it were. Mm. Because I think that we knew what the situation was. It was just like, everything's behind closed doors. Let's just crack on in Milton Keynes with as much as we can fit in. Whereas now, it, everything's a little bit more up in the air. They're trying to be a bit more ambitious, do things properly. But it's still not that easy. Obviously, Turkey getting binned, uh, or postponed rather, um, through a big spanner in the works with this this part of the calendar. Um, and yeah, they're doing their best. They're, they're putting on as much as they can. Um, and it, that was another change, isn't it? That everyone would be playing, but there was a change this season where the top boys will be going straight to the venues. So they don't have to play the qualifiers. So that's why those guys aren't playing at all for a while. Um, so yeah, uh, there'll be some streaming, some low-key qualifiers from from Leicester this week coming and then a couple of weeks from Barnsley for the next few weeks. But um, yeah, it's, it's going to be, I think the back end of the year is going to be packed out. Uh, so let's enjoy the low key nature for a bit and then uh, it'll be chaos later on. Shall we head to Bedfordshire soon? I think it's time, isn't it? it, it it's very late. Let's do a bit of plugging before we, before we go. Remind you folks in our next episode, which we are planning to record on the last day of the month, the last day of August, we've got Hector Nuns with us for a media special. We've had some fabulous uh, correspondence in already, Phil, haven't we? Some really terrific emails. Uh, we know Hector's been involved in snooker journalism a long time and uh, been involved in some great stories. And we know he'll have some very salient points to make about this industry. And if you'd like to get your question, there's still time. Do you think snooker's uh, covered well enough in the media? Uh, how do you think it should be covered in the future? They want to ask us about us and the way our, our business works, interviewing players. You're more than welcome, whatever the question, for myself, Phil, and Hector Nuns, our special guest, uh, do get in contact before we record that episode on the last day of the month. And then, Phil, well, we've been teeing this up, haven't we, for a couple of weeks. Our first episode of September, we've pretty much done the deal, and we are delighted to say that we are going to be joined by uh, former world and Masters champion, uh, a player that's established himself as one of the very best in the game over the past decade. We're going to have Stuart Bingham joining us, aren't we, Phil? And, um, well, I'm not saying that we, you know, we, we wanted to make sure we, we got it done, but you did get Stuart to sign the contract in blood, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I spoke to him and I saw him look, on the, look at the calendar on his phone to check that he was free, so that's good enough for me. Um, so, yeah, no, that'd be great to have you on. Um, he's done almost everything in the game, so we'll have plenty to talk about. Uh, as we say so many times whenever he comes up, as passionate a snooker man as there, as there is. So, yeah, that'd be great. Exactly. We look, look forward to asking Stuart about his background in the sport and some of his great moments, of course, that world triumph, the Masters win. And we pride ourselves on being as interactive as we possibly can. We'd love to hear your views as well. Now, I know we have a, a few things going on. We've got the media special with Hector, but if you want to ask Stuart Bingham a question, please do so. Talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker. So talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker. Uh, so it's Hector Nuns followed by Stuart Bingham. And then on September the 13th, we got your views. So keep your thoughts coming to us on any other snooker matter. We've got plenty of Fascinating topics in, Phil, uh, including some more about television coverage of the sport, the height of players as well, whether that makes a, a difference. And uh, 
and and of course we've got plenty of plenty of <laughs> correspondence about the short format that's 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 been the dominant topic hasn't it let's let's be honest snooker fans have had their say either way some don't like it some do not like it and they're perfectly entitled to that let's not you know we're not cheerleaders here we're positive people about the sport that we love but not everyone thinks it's great some people thought it was a, a bit of a turn off it was just too short but i think it's fair to say the majority did enjoy the week that's the way i would certainly say it from how i was seeing things and hearing things the majority think Yes, we wouldn't want it all the time, but it was dramatic. You saw different players that you often don't see on television. There was drama. And, you know, maybe in this slot as a curtain raiser, it could have a real nice future with that cachet, the British Open name. And we couldn't open for a better champion than Mark Williams. I mean, you know, that's who you want as a champion, isn't it, Phil, in a way? One of those, those wonderful greats. Yeah, I was sort of thinking that if it was a really left-field name, then... It sort of maybe would just expose the short format as being more of a lottery, as you said earlier, which it clearly isn't. Um, I think having, I think one thing about being there, obviously we know this happens, but being there and seeing players with the short format, I, I, I saw a couple in the corridor after they'd come from all over the place. You know, some had travelled quite far to come and play in Leicester to lose three 0 in quite a short space of time in the first round and leave with no prize money. You know, seeing those guys wandering through the corridor to pick up their stuff and leave is is quite a sad sight. And that's the same in any tournament, but it seems even sadder when they've, you know, maybe travelled up the day before, stayed in a hotel, and all they've had is 45 minutes, an hour on the table, and that's it. Uh, so I think, yeah, when, when you're at the tournament, you see little things like that, and it gives you a slightly different perspective on it. Um, and obviously, if you'd come and lost... 10 nil in a, in a long format game it would have been equally depressing but um that's when sort of the really short format did seem even more brutal really it's uh it's a lot of effort and time and money for these guys to get to play in these tournaments and uh yeah to be blasted out in less than an hour and get nothing to nothing to show for it is pretty grim no it's a, <laughs> yeah it's a very fair way of saying it um do we have anything more to talk about or should we uh should we say au revoir uh, no, we've gone on so long. It's now my birthday. Oh my god! Do you, <laughs> do you really hold that back just to say that now? Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see who listens to the pod right at the end to see if anyone wishes me happy birthday on Twitter. <laughs> well, many happy returns to you, Phil. I, 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 I didn't, I, I didn't know you kept that quiet from me. A nice little moment there from you. <laughs> what, what, what have you got planned for the com- the coming Monday? Well, I've got a week off. It'd be nice. So uh, we're going to we're taking the dogs to Henley on Thames, and which sounds like a very posh day out. But uh, I'm just going to the pub for a bit, I think. And I've got three three straight days of the Test match in Leeds from Wednesday, so that's what I'm really looking forward to. Oh wow! Well, that'll be that'll be a couple of quiet days at the library on the way, on the Western <laughs> Terrace. Bloody hell! Yeah, there'll be some inflatables and all sorts, especially with fans being away for so long. That'll be a, a cracking atmosphere. There won't yeah, it? Looking Leeds. forward to it. Yeah, it should be good. The only thing is, there's not much of a team to cheer on at the moment, but anyway, that's a... That's true, yeah. <laughs> there might be quite a bit of Indian support, I'm sure. Anyway, um, Phil, very happy happy birthday to you, sir. Have a, have a great week. And we've got Hector Nunn's next on August 31st. That'll be great fun, won't it? We can, we can do what all journalists love doing, which is talking about journalism. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, I saw, I saw Hector up in Leicester. Always great to see him. Um, he's got some ideas to talk about as well. Um, actually, we'll see some stuff on our Twitter actually because he had a good idea. He's yeah. got a load of old cuttings and he's kept over his career 
and we're going to tweet a lot of pictures of that i think so keep an eye out for that because yeah he's covered everything in this sport for years and years so uh, there's gonna be all sorts of good stuff in there yeah, we started getting a bit more interactive on Twitter in the last week. I think we just kind of wanted to boost our followers up a bit and make the, the Twitter feel really worthwhile. We won't do that all the time. But I think with the tournament on, we quite enjoy doing that. We have loads of good feedback and interaction on there. We want to try and make this as, as interactive and involve the listeners uh, as much as we as we possibly can. So um, take care, Phil. Sleep well and um, have a great birthday and have a great week. Thanks very much. You too. I know it's not your birthday, but also have a great week. I just saluted you, which is ludicrous. Um, but anyway, never mind. It, it's late. Um, have a great one. And uh, thank you for listening. Remember, Hector Nunn's next and Stuart Bingham the week after. So get your thoughts in if you want to ask uh, Hector or Stuart uh, any particular questions. Thanks for your company. Well done to Mark Williams. Hope you enjoyed the British Open. What a smashing week it was. For now, from Phil and myself, cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.